Welcome everyone to the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek and our DC Film Fest. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk Green Lantern? It's going to be okay, Pete. Be without fear, just like Hal Jordan. Before we dive into that, Pete, uh, somewhat surprising news. The Star Wars Mandalorian game has been scrapped. Wait, wait. The the thing that last week uh, they were like, oh, hey, there's... We're, we're living in the best of times. There's a Mandalorian movie coming. There's a Mandalorian first-person video game coming. Wah, wah. EA has canceled that. I feel like, I don't know, it's, it's tough to get great Star Wars games. There's good Star Wars games. There have been some greats as well. But I, I, much like with all the Star Wars movies that have been uh, ultimately not made, uh, so too, I feel for a Star Wars video game, I'd rather just know it's going to be great and ambitious. And if it's not coming together, don't sell me something I won't buy when the reviews are terrible. And there's the the Django Fett first person, thirdish person game you can play, but I think people had a thirst for. I mean, gosh, Matt, why is there not an open universe with with star fields and? other things like that why don't we have that with star wars it's there for the the making <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the plan more 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 time back in the oven there i mean we both love the uh the lego skywalker saga game that i've sunk about 80 to 100 hours in um you know i know you're up around there uh you've You've gone through all the movies, right? I believe so, yeah. I might need to... I know there was a time where I was just chugging through those side missions and enjoying it. Still oodles to discover, but yeah, there's a there's a thirst for this, so maybe it morphs into something else. Who knows? But uh, sounds like somebody was leaking that last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is still coming, and, and it didn't save it. Well, Pete, in sad news, uh, Star Trek alum Ken Mitchell passed away in the last week. Uh, he having been diagnosed with uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, four or five years ago, and certainly a big, big outpouring of uh, you know, happy memories and concern for his family in the last week. Ken Mitchell was a total pro. His untimely death here at, at 49 years old um of ALS of of Lou Gehrig's disease just a complete and total loss um you know it's it's never good timing but this happening as the the Star Trek cruise was going on and so many people who were close to him uh cast members on that uh this was a performer who embraced star trek discovery and boy did it embrace him uh playing four characters three different klingons just completely enveloped in the makeup and uh you know really a part of their family and um it, it was truly saddening sunday morning 
to to see that news. Um, but boy, he he packed a lot of life in his 49 years. I first came across him. There's a TV show on CBS called Jericho, um, which we may have talked before, Matt, about uh, post lost. And um, yeah, he was he was on it. And uh, it's the first time I, I came across him. And, you know, these these Klingons that he played on Discovery, he made them each so different. He put his stamp on them. Okay, later playing the uh, character of Aurelio and then also being immortalized before his passing, uh, the USS Mitchell, um, a Starfleet ship on Discovery. I hope there's beyond, of of course, some kind of in memoriam that they'll run during this, um, you know, fifth and final season. I hope there's another way that they can uh, memorialize him. Well, Pete, we have made a point to make a donation uh, to uh, ALS Research uh, via the ALS Association, ALS.org, and uh, we certainly encourage our listeners to consider uh, doing the same uh, either in Ken Mitchell's honor or just uh, to to help add to the body of research uh, to, to finally overcome ALS. Yes, uh, this, your Patreon uh, contribution at work this month. Pete, in other news, uh, the Marvel film Thunderbolts is already filming, filming underway there. So uh, making our way out of the, the the MCU slump that there has been and looking ahead to, I think, a movie with a cast that we can all get behind. And hopefully it's, you know, just a rock'em sock'em adventure. Uh, a lot of people that it wasn't uh, filming for a while yet, but Florence Pugh confirmed uh, at the SAG Awards the other night, no, she is already shooting. Um, so, yeah, uh, super um, interested to get that to see as that cast continues to fill out. Um, I mean, Stranger Things five is filming right now that's filming right now not quite sure how david arbor's doing both is he not they're both in atlanta i can't wait to hear that behind the scenes story oftentimes productions help out each other and harbor undoubtedly you know his first position um contractually is undoubtedly stranger things but again you work it out you say hey we're going to do two weeks of david scenes and then we are going to schedule it so we don't need him for the next week and a half. Boom. That's when Thunderbolts is going to come in and grab him up from there, you know, so on and so forth. You make it work. Um, it's all about flexibility. And Pete, speaking of flexibility, um, in preparation for next week's podcast, I discovered that uh, HBO Max has taken down a couple lesser known properties. Uh, so the two animated Batman films that we were going to watch for our DC Film Fest, voiced by the Batman 66 cast, Batman Return of the Great Crusaders and Batman vs. Two-Face. Uh, those are now off our Film Fest schedule, uh, so we are going to move up what would have been next, which coincidentally was the Patreon vote Joker 2019 or the Batman 2022. And as of this recording, the far and away winner, the Batman from 2022. It's the, the Pattinson one that I'm super eager to talk about. Um, if those two animated movies return, you know, at some point 
later on, uh, spring, summer, fall, whatever it might be, I think that would be prime for us to dump, uh, you know, or rather jump back into that. Uh, but Max having dumped them and they're not streaming for free anywhere else. Uh, next week, The Batman, which you can watch not only on Max, but on Netflix as well. Yeah, our decision kind of made for us. I'd seen the first animated Batman movie um, with Adam West. I was super excited to watch the second one. We had been at a panel um, with uh, Adam West, with Shatner uh, about that. And yeah, I'm, I'm bummed about that. Uh, Matt, they're, they're trying to, Max is scratching at our uh, legacy, um, just like James Gunn having changed here Superman legacy to just Superman, Superman movie. Um, look, I trust James Gunn as a writer and for him to say that in, in a somewhat ethereal sense for him to say that when he started writing the script or when the first draft was done, it wanted, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting some words in his mouth here, but it wanted to be called Superman Legacy. And by the time the shooting draft was was done, it just wanted to be Superman. That's all well and good. Pete, forever now, we're going to be calling it Superman 25, you know, apostrophe 25, as in 2025 versus Superman 77. The way we do that with Batman, we do that with the Batman 89, Batman 66, the series, and so forth. So... Well, on the one hand, I'm like, dude, there already was one movie called Superman or Superman the movie. Sure, let's go with that, James. Deliver us a great movie the way you've delivered us a great cast for Superman colon the 2025 movie. But let's talk, Matt. Fix our gaze on our green lantern. And Pete, I would like to frame at least my contribution to this discussion um, with with two kind of cornerstones that I'm going to keep returning back to. One is lessons that you can learn from the success of the Star Wars franchise, as well as lessons that you can take, as with all comic book stuff, from the source material. And let me just, in one or two sentences, say, here's what I think is, you know, and the Green Lantern uh, portion of the universe, the Green Lantern Corps, all those characters, so, so rich, so, so deep, so on and so forth. At a core of it, Hal Jordan, pilot, man without fear, tasked with this ring in the comics, a ring that, you know, has similar powers here. Whatever you can imagine, it can be before you. Um, in the comics, it is impervious to all things yellow. That's the built-in kind of kryptonite to Green Lantern, Superman, if you will. Those are two things I want to keep in mind. Green Lantern from the comics and lessons you can learn from Star Wars as we dive into this movie, which was meant to launch the DCEU. That is not a joke. It is true. It was meant to launch the DCEU. Then it didn't because it bombed. Is this comic um, a property that is properly transferable to screen. I'm not so sure. And given this movie's development difficulties, yeah, I think the process and the product would say to this point, it, it's not. 
I I was boggled watching this for this time. I've seen, I think I, I know maybe I got the disc. I've seen this movie before, but I think I watched most of it on fast forward or things like that. So we'll just talk about this viewing for the podcast. My, my jaw dropped that we started billions of years ago with the guardians of the universe, creating the green lantern core again, Pete, let's now go to star Wars. If your star Wars story, um, you as a viewer, if it starts with a new hope, think how modestly you start in the Star Wars universe. Yes, there's a guy chasing a princess and this and that the other, but at its core, your hero, very modest, kind of understandable world, he's living in the the desert frontier, and gets brought along. Hey, I am one Jedi. I would like to teach you some things, and then we are going to fight. Yes, the Death Star is big and impressive and so forth. We're going to go fight one major front of this galactic war. We're not going to fight the whole war right now. We're going to go fight the war in one place. Versus, Pete, Star Wars does not open by saying, here's all the Jedi against a galactic threat. If your Star Wars entry point is Phantom Menace, you start with the Jedi intact. But you do not start with a galactic threat or the galactic civil war going on. You don't start with both in either start point for Star Wars. This, however, in the first scene is giving us billions of years ago the guardians of the universe creating the green lantern core and that's the first 30 seconds it is super exposition heavy this prologue about will and the green lantern core and then we're suddenly bringing in the power of colors of green and yellow and this parallax and before we know it, Matt, we're at the lost planet in the lost sector where the revenge of the Sith cast off aliens have their essence absorbed by um, a squishy face alien CGI guy. I would not start here. I would start. I mean, <laughs> I would not start here. And okay, is some of our analysis going to be through 2024 eyes? Okay, fine. Pete, they Ryan Reynolds was not a nobody when they got him. How about you start with Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan, plain guy, do your establishing stuff with, we're going to talk, I'm sure, a little bit. You know, his, he's the cocky pilot and this and that, the other. Start there in a movie, Pete, that vastly, vastly underestimates, shall we say, the charisma and potential between Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, you know, vastly underestimates the potential that the two of them have together. Uh, granted, at the time he was married to uh, Scarlett Johansson, but still, we're not we're not getting to our guy here. Yes, as we set up Parallax, who even Pete, the choice that Parallax is like a a, a squishy, fuzzy, foamy, foggy villain, as opposed to like, look. There stands Lex Luthor, tall against the, the sky, or there stands Joker. Like, what is Parallax, and why is he upset? He's upset because he's upset, and we're back to muddiness. And then we go to uh, Abin Sur, played by Tamora Morrison, played by Jango Fett, played by all the Star Wars clones. Um 
who's just chilling in his spaceship. Matt, he's just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe uh, who gets a holographic conversation there with Sinestro, who, even if you probably don't really know the Green Lanterns, you know, like, hey, this this dude and the mustache, and I think he's a villain. Um <laughs> And more exposition and flashing rings. And then uh, Django Fett is uh, is injured now. Certainly the injury of Abin Sur leading him to crash on Earth. Ring, find me a successor and so forth. That's part of the, the, the core lore. Did we need the prelude to it? Um Again, I'm saying no. Again, going back to Star Wars here, and I won't cite it all chapter and verse, but yes, we have the whole um, chase of the Tantative Four in A New Hope, but you know, when we meet Luke Skywalker, it's Guy who other guy says, would you like to learn about powers and future while using this uh, physical embodiment of it? Real modest, real slow steps versus here we need to have the backstory to the backstory as Abensor crashes into Earth. Pete and Abensor, who I feel like most of the time is computer-generated, I remember reading in the months leading up to the June 2011 release, I remember reading a Hollywood Reporter article that said they were having trouble finishing all the effects because all the effects houses had already been booked. Like, it wasn't a matter of, can we get $15 more million, Warner Brothers? It was, there's no one to pay to get the effects completely done which you know crunch time crunch and all that that's part and parcel with a lot of these movies but it doesn't it, this movie does not look as bad as i thought but i don't know why you can't just put tamura morrison in makeup and have him play purple guy as opposed to it's computer generated a bunch of the time to think that this movie is coming out the same summer as the original thor as the original Captain America movies. Okay. And <laughs> it's high hopes to, to launch a similar universe, right? Uh, the, the first of a couple uh, DC attempts to do that. Um, yeah. Almost like it's, it's in a separate universe. This, this CGI, like, all right, there's there's definitely an effort and there's definitely choices, but how little of it lands. I remember the buildup to this coming out, um, and I remember seeing it marketed. And then obviously we we look back through the you know thirteen years since it's come out, and my goodness, uh. Yeah, I had seen this, you had seen this, but going back and watching this, like, oof. Um, this intrigue with the super passive, tight-lipped guardians. Um, and again, the, the feeling that Sinestro, sinister being in the name, right, can't be trusted, but he doesn't trust them, so what's what's going on there but uh welcome to the big time ryan reynolds 
who wakes up next to another girl because he's a test pilot and he's late to test pilot. And that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. By the time the story, uh, by the time there's availability for him to be doing his thing. Well, now, now we need to hurry up. Like, yes, there needs to be the babe in the bed and he needs to be running late and driving fast because in my mind, we've wasted precious story time to do all this ultra, ultra, ultra world building. Um, which again, in my kind of alternate take of this, this is maybe where we would have started with Hal Jordan getting to know mm-hmm. him. And if you, if you, here's another example, not to add in addition to the comics and into Star Wars, think of, think of, in many ways, how modest the first Iron Man movie is. This is coming out, what, three, four years after it? Can't we, three years after it, can't we use that as a template? He builds the first rickety suit, like, barely in the desert, and then it crashes, right? And yes, through then montage, he gets better suits and better suits and so forth by the middle of the movie. But that's your, quote-unquote, training montage. But we start so modestly versus, again, like... The, the the Green Lantern Corps will return, or you know, in Green Lantern Two would have been much better than having it here. But yeah, Hal Jordan, Ferris Aircraft, um, Pete again in twenty in in twenty twenty four. If I said, who's excited for a Ryan Reynolds Blake Lively uh, movie, also with um, <laughs> with Taika Waititi, you'd be like, is he directing? Is he acting? Is he right? The Oscar winning Taika Waititi. Okay, Thor four wasn't great. Like OTD, maybe sometimes a little lazy, but like bring it on versus he's going to play guy with American accent. Yeah. Um, the, the budget seems to get burned through rather quickly, Matt, by the time we meet old man Ferris, right? Like you got your Ryan Reynolds, who was certainly established by this point. You got your Blake Lively, like, oh, she was on the TV shows and, you know, she's an attractive gal. And then there's your Tim Robbins. And then there's the guy playing her dad. I don't know why Tim Robbins is in this movie, other than you can say. If Tim Robbins knows. why he's in this movie but like if if you lay this cast end to end and and you know ryan reynolds blake lively peter sarsgaard okay tim robbins angela freaking bassett matt okay uh let's hit up some of the voices that get super hidden in the credits right Clancy Brown is Parallax, okay? Jeffrey Rush, Tomar Ray gives us all that exposition and then helps us again in the middle of the movie when we're like, just what the heck's going on, okay? It's one of the last performances of Michael Clark Duncan. Um, It should not be this mid- well, and let's let's talk about Michael Clark Duncan's character of Kilowog for a second. They messed up on the adaptation, in my view. Yes, he should be eight feet tall, eight ten feet tall. Yes, he should be eight hundred pounds of pure muscle. But like, 
so is a cow. And at the zoo or at the petting zoo or whatever, at the farm, we all want to go pet the cow, even though you know if you like mess up the cow could hurt you like that's just that's understood by children right you stand on your side of the fence and you pet the cow and you also kind of know yeah if i punch the cow in the face right now and the fence wasn't here i'm gonna get trampled and whooped that's kilowog you should look at him and go oh what a big like it's like that character pete you're you're much more um up to date with uh star trek prodigy who's the big giant is it rock talk or tick rock talk yeah rock talk, right where you're voiced by with a high female voice, you know, like, and I'm not saying don't have Michael Clark Duncan here, but Kilowog's spirit should be like Rock Talk, where it's big, giant, well, my goodness. Oh, it's a fun person. Kilowog is a fun person, even as a fun drill sergeant, but they didn't adapt properly, in my opinion. And we're not even there yet, Matt, <laughs> in terms of the narrative, because Senator Tim Robbins, you you busted his rank before, right? He's there to see this plane company do plane drone things, have them fight or make a purchase or all of that. Um, and we get the super tense scene between Carol Ferris, who is both a pilot and a suit. So she wears a pilot suit and in a couple scenes, uh Hal Jordan will relegate her just to a suit. We've got the aforementioned Taika Watiti, who is, you know, uh drone guy in chair, okay, both trying to kill our pilots and really rooting for them at the same time. All right. And amidst all that uh CGI plane drone action uh we have abensur uh dying on the completely unpopulated coast of new orleans california <laughs> uh yes filmed in new orleans and oftentimes looks like it um I also feel, and maybe, look, maybe I'm just a little bit too, I'm not like the world's biggest Green Lantern comics fan, but I've read plenty. There's even stuff like, like, Abensor's, I guess Abensor's ship is designed just fine, but like, the ring, and especially the lantern, in my mind, they're like, overly cinematically designed, like they look, again, going back to Iron Man as a template, you can let your first lantern look a little bit more kind of, you know, old Mayan lantern-y, in my opinion. It doesn't need to look constantly like this sleek thing. Again, maybe this is just nerd nitpicking, but even just little things like that where it's like they've they've overly adapted it because it has to look sleek and cool and awesome versus it's sleek and cool and awesome because it's an amazing weapon and tool of justice in and of itself. Uh, that is, Pete if they show it doing cool stuff, which they kind of later in the movie relegate mostly to razzle dazzle special effects moments, as opposed to the bread and butter of the whole green lantern thing, which is, Oh man, lady falls out of building. Green lantern has a big pillow because guess what? It's not a crisis. He can solve it. You know, th that sense of humor is too little because we're making a serious comic book movie. Yes. Which, uh, Hal Jordan has seriously, just escaped uh the fate of his father and goes to his it was unclear like 
all right, is it his birthday party rewatching this? Is it is it one of his relatives' birthday party? Oh, it's the nephew. Oh, okay, the nephew's worried. He almost lost his uncle. Cool uncle, Ryan Reynolds. Okay, don't want that to happen. Fix that there, okay? Uh, oh, all right, fear, that whole thing, okay? And then now getting the ring getting the lantern okay more exposition in the form of conflict right the guardians and here's the update on parallax and uh one of the guardians is salome jens the the founder the changeling from uh star trek deep space nine so all right great use there again this this should be greater than the sum of its parts um and speaking of parts matt peter sarsgaard's hector hammond um a fairly attractive dude that they increasingly make unattractive and make look like a part um yeah, if if in my estimation they have overly, they've done too much like cinematic design for the ring and and certainly the um, the lantern. Not to speak of the uh, the suits yet. Fine, I understand that the Hector Hammond character has a big giant round head that's shaped like an egg and has sort of energy from it and so forth, but. If you're going to be faithful to that, and then you're going to make it this fleshy sphere with veins and wisps of hair. Pete, it looks rather like a gonad. Um, and it just gets worse as the movie goes on. And I don't know how at some point somebody just didn't say, hey, what if instead he is, he was looking more and more sick, and then now he starts to look necrotic? Or like, why did, why did it need to be a big a big old big old gonad growing on his head or part of his head or etc etc this big baldo bat of course looks nothing like dad who will firmly connect a little later on but he is summoned by dr amanda waller uh something that as i watch this like wait a minute angela bassett was the first viola davis amanda waller like again why isn't this living up to how much better it could be um as baldo gets infected here by being afraid yeah i mean a they're underusing um angela bassett that much is clear we can now look back and say they're also underusing the amanda waller character you mentioned this infection of the fear stuff, and I get it. Fear is yellow. And I also want to reiterate in the comics, the green, all the Green Lantern rings, they have this built-in um, weakness so that no lantern might have too much power, that sort of thing, against all things yellow, which in the comics, you know, is used in all sorts of ways, including I remember one little brief Green Lantern story where, However it is the Hal Jordan ends up locked in a safe. He's been locked in a safe. That's been 
dropped in the middle of the you know the lake or the ocean or whatever it is and it's sinking and water is slowly making its way in and the inside of the the um the the safe has been painted yellow what will he do well he has to use his mind and uses the ring to scrape away it's not all yellow it's just the paint and as soon as he gets the little bit of paint off he can you know green lantern power out of the thing and so forth my point being in the example i just gave you learned about the ring you learned about limits you also learned about him as a you know him kind of in training if you will um but in this movie they never quite close the circle like are the rings impervious to yellow i don't think they ever say that they are which fine if you're deviating from the comics that's things happen that's fine but i feel like it's a good writing tool to be like this is an all-powerful tool slash weapon that does have one major drawback and it's yellow and now when we write these stories we have all sorts of outs like fear is yellow and that it was almost right there close the circle make yellow make the ring impervious to yellow just as fear is yellow just as parallax is yellow but they don't quite do it even though it's right there the star warsification of this should have had the rings on the level of lightsabers. Um, I mean, again, is, is this transferable? The idea that you imagine it and your ring does it. I, I'm still not sure this can leap off a comic book page onto a screen. Okay. But we need more human interest we need the b story matt we need the 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 love story okay so now this chemistry between ryan reynolds and uh his future wife blake lively uh you know complete center of the story as um this film is uh the last of their five children <laughs> um yeah i mean they i, I don't want to i don't want to suggest pete oh they sizzle on screen i know on the one hand i was like the movie underestimates their potential uh, okay fine i also i don't think that it's you know it's not one of these like you know um uh spencer tracy and katherine hepburn type connection but you know not for nothing a year after the year of this movie, he gets a divorce. The year after, he marries Blake Lively. Fast forward all these years later, four kids, apparently successful marriage, still married. You know all that, all, all that stuff. Um, I think the problem is, I mean, is she given a ton of stuff here? Fine, you want to make her a test pilot as well, um, which. I know there are some incarnations where she's a comic book, incarnations in the comic where she's a comic baddie and a com, you know, or you know, has powers and so on and so forth. My recollection is Carol Ferris, owner of uh, the the you know Ferris Aircraft, Ferris Aviation, um, uh, perhaps at once upon a time in the comics, her father owned it, and, you know, blah blah blah. But I'd much rather like. If she is the girl boss, to me, in, in, in a two-and-a-half-hour two movie, it's much more impressive. Carol Ferris as girl boss, woman boss, who owns this corporation that is you know successful, or you need to get the contract or whatever it is, where she's the boss, versus Hal Jordan, man without fear, but also just a test pilot. Like, 
you know, that's all great that you're fearless in all these high flying things, but you can't necessarily navigate through the world. And this woman who you might like, and maybe she likes you, she's also your boss. This is all more interesting stuff than not only do they like each other, but she, she's got to be his equal Pete because they both wear flight suits and fly, fly uh, planes to fly. I'm glad this movie got these people together and they could have four children because uh, again this is the worst thing the two of them have ever made <laughs> um we get in due course to the um the the party scene and and you know some good use of the green lantern powers here again i feel like there should have been more like in my mind, look, I know all these effects are expensive, but also I'm not the one that decided to make every single Green Lantern creature CG faces and every single Green Lantern suit, including that of Ryan Reynolds, complete body replacement CG. Like, these are choices that take up time and money. Um, the bread and butter of a Green Lantern action scene should be things like, oh, no, have to catch the fall the falling helicopter. Let's catch it with the race car that then will zoom around the race car track in descending, you know, corkscrews to slow the thing and to catch the, like, that's the stuff that you should have more of, not kind of save it because time and money and imagination didn't get you there. It's a character, it's a guy with no fear who, when he has a great imagination, you can be doing th these things because he's not fearless, Pete. He can catch you with a race car, not catch you with a, just a mere whatever a mere uh green cube that you squish into like it's all right there you're just not putting it together folks watching this ridiculous scene yeah in which a helicopter gets hit with a beer tap um and then is caught with a race car to prevent harm that later is called out by one of the characters in the film. It's like they knew, Matt. It's like they knew that this, you know, halfway, nearly three-quarter centerpiece um, doesn't work and is poorly written and sticks out like a sore thumb. Well, and I think it's a Ryan Reynolds quote somewhere here on the Wikipedia, but it's like, Somebody said of this, somebody involved with this movie said, you know, they had the title and they had the poster yep. and they had the release date. Everything else was just, eh, you know. Um, speaking of the costume, you get the scene uh, soon after the, the party scene here where uh, Green Lantern goes to visit Carol and she recognizes him. You know, again, look, I know on the one hand, you're trying to emulate the overall view of the Hal Jordan outfit, which has the domino mask and not a, not a bigger mask. Uh, the 90s Green Lantern character, Kyle Rayner, has a much, much bigger mask, one that would actually cover your face from people who knew you. Um, but it's so it's like on the one hand, it's kind of like darned if you do and darned if you don't. Like, yeah, if you if you know what Hal Jordan, Ryan Reynolds, looks like and he stands in front of you, you're going to recognize him even though his eyes have changed and he's got weird voice blurring software question mark. Um, <laughs> but I will say this, Pete, here's something nice. 
my the reputation is that the effects in this movie are terrible and the outfits are terrible and that the mask is always sliding over his face like because the it hasn't been tracked properly um in the computer i did catch some of the mask sliding a little bit here and there overall this was not the amateurish production that i thought it was and i think that the design of the suit i get what they were going for which is it's all energy what took me out of it out of the suit design was less the it's glowing this and that the other versus you know give me like marvel leather you know like it was more like i can see how the suit is 3d like through the cracks through the energy cracks i can see how it's 3d and it makes it look like there's nothing in there which is just that's taking me out of it more than he's got a big green glowy suit and sometimes he can make a race car and then there's a big you know uh pink cow guy who trains him like it's that the suit the suit was so slavish to its own 3d look that it looked like he was just clear on the inside which maybe is a metaphor for this movie i don't know yeah that it's trying to be musculature hence the painful you know implantation of it i i I don't know and then this dovetailed with the hector storyline right that the the yellow thing has jumped into him as he was examining abinsur's alien remains that you know ooh, his his dad pulled him out of obscurity to to go check uh and then he's freaking out on a student when he's hearing his thoughts and and throwing a jock which we almost root for um and then he's with dad and he's hearing his thoughts and he's an embarrassment and really i i think tim robbins is just thinking about this movie (laughs) yeah like do we need uh, an emotionally three-dimensional baddie in this movie? I mean, we don't in Parallax, but we do with the the um, the Hector Hammond character here. Like, do we need the dad stuff here? Like, it's again, all of this in a certain level is taking away from the core reason you got Ryan Reynolds, which is, hey. He has a certain, you know, he has a certain oomph to him, um, you know, that that can be like, for example, Pete, I know that, you know, we're, we're obviously not a Deadpool yet. Some of the, the classic Ron Reynolds, like zinger sarcasm stuff, you can kind of see almost in his head, like, mm-hmm. man, I wish I, I wish I could have just cursed that, that, you know, put curses in that line and given it like extra sarcasm. But I can't because it's a DC, you know, movie that's PG-13 and so forth. So fine. We kind of see that going on. But I remember back when Ryan Reynolds did Amityville Horror being like, that guy from the from the 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 funny movies, he's playing a serious role. Like you can make Ryan Reynolds Ryan Reynolds is not Jim Carrey in terms of like, can we possibly get him to calm down and do something dramatic? Maybe. Like he's got that in his wheelhouse you could be asking him to be the funny sarcastic test pilot. You could ask him to be the handsome leading man and so forth. Um, But instead we're spending time saying, why does Hector Hammond not get love from dad? It makes me feel sympathetic for the fact that he's going to try and kill earth. What? No, that's not how that works. 
as Sinestro, who just shows us with the way the character is constructed, um, can't be trusted and is now fighting fear with fear. We're going to forge a yellow ring. Wait, yellow bad. We shouldn't be wielding that. Um, yeah. And Hal is coming out to his friend. He's coming out to his girlfriend that he is a green lantern, um, that, uh, he can show his suit off to Taika Waititi. He can give Blake Lively a green necklace. Yeah, and, and scenes like that just kind of feel color by numbers. Um, or Heck Pete. Here's one way that we could zhuzh up that Hector, scene. Not Heck Pete. <laughs> here's one way we could, we could zhuzh up that scene. How about he's like, and here's my new design for my suit. Like, because it's all energy and of imagination, even if you want to retain it as being all energy, like, <laughs> we're not even toyifying very well. You know, like, he could just, because, again, oh, part... I remember being in stores and, like, the baffling toys that were out for this movie. Like, what is going on with this? Oh, look, it's Thor with a hammer. It's Captain America with a shield. Um, what on earth is Green Lantern po- packed in a box here with? <laughs> um, Dinosaur? What? What is this? <laughs> Regardless, though, before too long, you know, because again, this movie has these weird tensions of tensions of we can't ever stay too far away from Hector because he's our on Earth villain, but we also need to go back to Parallax, who's our interstellar villain, and so forth. Parallel. But. Uh, <laughs> parallel villains fine they are nailing the parallel nature of parallax and the parallax piece and all of that um we return to the amanda waller test site and so forth and again some of these good effects here you know catching the falling person with a pool of water and things of that sort tonally it's not fully fitting this movie but in my but but a it's fitting the comics origin it's also fitting like you can imagine that Ryan Reynolds Hal Jordan would catch you with a pool of water you just can't fully imagine it in this movie because for whatever reason we're not completely playing to his strengths and we're not making this you know a Ryan Reynolds movie so yeah again choices are made oh are they matt because senator dad wants to undo his damaged son. This isn't at all a metaphor. Okay. And we've fully got the Hal Hector dichotomy. Let's lay them down next to one another and see the ways in which they are different yet same. Uh, And that will then lead to the protagonist making a speech to the monolithic, uh, you know, just totally CGI weirdo boss aliens that they can't give in to fear um, before a really, um, shall we say, scaled down and simultaneously up 
battle in a hangar. Um, yeah. Before we get to the battle, I just wanted to say I thought I had settled into the flavor of this movie, and then Senator Tim, Ro- Tim Robbins gets kind of you know horrifically burned by his son. You know, they don't show you know burning flesh and this and the other, but it kind of was like I was like, oh my goodness. This isn't too much for my kid now, but could I imagine seeing Green Lantern opening night and there's some younger kids in there where that's like too much or they're they're, they're scared and not in the good, you know, kind of 80s way or, 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 or Dark Crystal way or something like that. Like, again, tonally, it's just this weird, like, it's a weird way to present it um, as a fearful thing, not even a necessarily tragic, but yeah, um, uh Peter Sarsgaard is even more gonad-like in this big fight here. And it's just like, because we haven't seen him for a couple of scenes. So now he's grown even more like a part. And it's just like, (laughs) when will we stop? Um, Well, now he wants to do it to Blake Lively. Yes. He's got the lousy CG needle by her neck. And then there she is. I will make her too look like me that'll learn you how can you imagine that <laughs> um yeah I'm Pete, among does, other sins does the reynolds lively household you know we we know and and the, the second best bit other than their union to come out of this is that ryan reynolds can make fun of this in Deadpool movies, um, you know, uh, killing himself as he's just finished reading the script in the, uh, the credits of, uh, Deadpool two. Um, do they reflect on this? Do they talk at home around the dinner table? Hey, remember, remember in 2010 when we first worked together, and the 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 shoot of the big action sequence i i'd love to be a fly on the wall i mean i can only imagine that they sit around the dinner table remaking this movie (laughs) again particularly through the lens of like this is a movie that's not fully harnessing ryan reynolds and if you want to say that's because he's best suited playing deadpool foul-mouthed r-rated etc okay fine but again there's a ryan reynolds who does pure drama six eight years earlier in amityville there's a ryan reynolds and maybe this maybe with maturity has come time pete i know you have not seen welcome to wrexham but and i don't want to propose that ryan reynolds is being anything less than genuine in that docuseries when he's talking about owning the football slash soccer team and all that but there's i watch wrexham and it's there he is going I know how much, and I'm doing a poor version of sincerity here, but to, to, hear, to hear him go, I know how much this team means to the community, means to the people. And you go, yes, Ryan, I do too. I care about this. That guy existed when he was in his early 30s too. Where are you capturing that kind of charisma? You're not. Um, just on and on and on. It's just these pieces are all being misused here. To think that the burning uh of tim robbins character might have been much 
Matt, the number of fictional characters here killed in the big climax by Parallax here being sucked out of their bodies. Like, this film has a super high, not ostensibly graphic death toll, but still really up there. Like, there's a lot of cost in this story. And at what, you know, you say a lot of cost, I would say at what price for the audience? We don't really know these people uh, beyond, you know, to a certain degree, Kilowog, who, again, I think they are rendering, not in a computer sense, but the, the character of Kilowog is not lovable enough. Um, so when any, of the, when any of these lanterns are being killed, you're like, oh, it's just a CGI army being destroyed versus... If you had started to introduce these folks at, at your post credit scene or at the very end or something like that, and then movie two was, now we're really going to train you and we're really going to have the time there to not need to cut back to Hector Hammond, not need to cut back to this and the other, and to get to know these other lanterns. Then when they die in a, perhaps a similar story point, but at the end of a Green Lantern 2 where you've saved the Green Lantern core for that, then you care versus, oh, look, they're getting space vacuumed well let's go to the space vacuum matt let's let's go to the sun and its gravity that had been foreshadowed early uh so that we could burn away the fear monster overall i actually kind of like this as a big big showdown battle um oh really you like cgi airplanes chaining the protagonist so he can not be sent into the gravity well of the sun i do because i feel like had the movie done more of that throughout the movie to show hal's imagination and sense of humor and you know fearlessness like to me that that fits there's a ridiculousness where you sit and go you know pick whatever comic era you want where it's like batman is swooping in to stop you know swooping in on a real rope and superman is you know shooting real lasers from his eyes green lantern is the one that's like you know again uh it's a big giant pillow for the person who fell off the building like there's a slight lack of seriousness to it i buy that this pilot would replicate he'd say how can i get away fast from where from the gravity of the sun let me use planes like all of that all that to me works the fact that it didn't work for you pete i think is an indictment of the movie not selling you on the green lantern the green lantern uh tone there exists matt on blu-ray on dvd an extended cut that adds nine minutes to this movie uh, I am curious as to what happens in those nine minutes. I may try to watch those nine minutes. Um, I have not seen those nine minutes. I may be better off. I can't imagine this movie being made better by more footage. This is not, you know, <laughs> the James Cameron director's cut of Aliens where you go, oh, wait. It deleted scene where Ripley's daughter 
has died of old age because of the whole time, you know, stasis thing. Ripley was a mom who's now lost a daughter, and the alien queen is a mom trying to have kids, and Newt is a kid being chased by the evil mom, rescued by the good mom. It's about women and strength. That that doesn't exist in those nine minutes. I'm sure of it. I'm 100% sure of it. <laughs> the credit scene here with Sinestro going yellow, only confirming what we thought, this, this angel will fall. Um, and what really should have been this story and really the cautionary tale of if you don't think you may get more, tell the best story now instead of, oh, no, no, this is for the sequel. We're we're back to Reynolds, you know, oh, we have a poster and we have a date, but there's, you know, just the hint of a story at this point. But hey, it, it looks cool. Yeah, and and just to 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 punctuate your point, Pete, the mid-credit scene is telling us that next the next movie's threat will be yellow fear energy person. Didn't we just get that twice in this movie? He's a better threat. Yeah, yeah. Um than, a, than an angry cloud? A thousand percent agree. Plus, does he have a clear-cut agenda and perspective that we can disagree with but understand? Absolutely. Has he been wronged by the lanterns? Absolutely. Like all, you're absolutely right that the best, the best Green Lantern one is the Green Lantern two that they suggest that. Yeah, and that in this incarnation with these performers again, go through this cast. <laughs> Yeah, it is it is a phenomenal cast which is wasted. I mean again just uh, Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively. Okay, boom. A, a partnership that continues to thrive to this day. Peter Sarsgaard, Pete who will appear in a, in a much better role as a bald-headed guy in our uh, selection for next week, The Batman. Mark Str- Mark Strong is probably the strongest thing in this movie. No disrespect intended to Ryan Reynolds, but they're not they're not capturing the Ryan Reynolds energy fully here. Mark Strong is just looks great, sounds great, great performance, the whole thing. Angela Bassett, Tim Robbins, my goodness, Pete. Can we say this, Pete? It's edited by Stuart Baird, who messed up. Uh, a common denominator. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, yeah, the 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 common denominator of our DC Film Fest, Matt. Yeah. Editor of Superman, ruiner of uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Obviously not a DC film, but... <sighs> I know this, Pete. There are great Green Lantern characters out there. There's great Green Lantern stories to be told. I cannot wait for the Lanterns series that is coming to Max, that is part of the James Gunn DC universe. No cast member... Uh, you know, no casting yet for Hal Jordan, but he's going to be partnered with the character of Guy Gardner, who is just a wonderful louse um, and kind of like a machismo 80s, like kind of guy. That's the character of Guy Gardner playing, be, being played by Nathan Fillion. Guy Gardner, Nathan Fillion will appear in Superman 25. Um, so we're on our way to brighter, brighter and, you know, better Green Lantern stories. 
Well, let's hear, Matt, what other people had to say about Green Lantern. <laughs> um, wow, it's weirdly symmetrical. Pete, should we start top down or bottom up? Let's go from the bottom up. All right, for the bottom Should, up. Shouldn't take long. <laughs> one uh, one yellow sphere. Batty head looks like dot, dot, dot. Got 10%. Uh, two rings, too much, too little. Got 40%. Which, again, the universe is too big. The story is too small. Uh, three rings. Next stop, Green Lantern 2. Got 40%. And then people, what I can only assume are like Russian bots. Four Rings, modern classic, got 10%. Some replies here on Twitter. First one from Spider-Ham. Lincoln, Tess, LC139. I didn't think Green Lantern was that bad. Granted, I haven't watched it in years, but I recall having a good time. I don't think it deserves as bad a rap as it's gotten, but to each their own. Uh, Steve Thurberge had replied and said, My three favorite heroes growing up were Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Flash. If you went back in time and told... 10-year-old me that all three of those have solo movies, I'd be overjoyed. If the Fantastic Four can get four kicks at the can, why can't Hal or John or Kyle? Uh, Pete, that's Hal Jordan, John, J-O-H-N, Stuart, and Kyle Rayner. Sector 2814 deserves better. Hope, Steve, hope that the uh, Lanterns series will uh, give us that. Uh, then last tweet comes from It's Twitter Not Life at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1. Uh, I think this movie gets way too much hate. It had issues, uh, as do most movies, but it was a ton of fun. I thought the suit was a cool effect. I think the version of Parallax was a bit off, but we saw Galactus as a space cloud in one of the Fantastic Four movies. So character definitely needs a reboot. Um, yeah, Green Lantern needs a reboot. Again, Pete, this would have been the start of the DCEU. But it was not. There were talks for Ryan Reynolds to come back in some of the Justice League stuff and 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 so forth, and it never quite came together. So this is the 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 once in future and never king all at once. Is it any wonder that Greg Berlanti has done everything he can to not have his name on this? He was the writer director fired from this movie before well before it went into production i don't love the dc cw shows plenty of people do love them you know why pete because they put characters first character interactions second and cool story beats third and then they worry about things like money and effects and all that but they put the character stuff first and the character you know, it's characters and story come first that's why those ca people are beloved and greg berlanti the guy who's made it all work on a fraction of a budget up in vancouver gets fired from this movie choices yeah <laughs> pete speaking of choices big thanks to all who choose to go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and uh, support this merry enterprise Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to choose from. Uh, but it takes just a dollar to get you behind that door. Can't contribute right now? Get yourself to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review in seconds, all of which helps us. And Pete, let's keep the conversation going, particularly as we look ahead to, uh, again, our schedule change next week podcasting the batman from two, uh 2022 uh how can people be in touch with you on social media 
You'll find me on Twitter, Threads, and Blue Sky at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,600 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on FantasticGeek.com. And you can also find us there under Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Gmail, all under Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P and the H, all one word, like it today. I am so excited to talk about one of my favorite recent movies the batman next week cannot wait for that discussion pete have you seen it i have okay good this is gonna be a really really great discussion great opportunity to revisit it with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word talk to you soon 